Welcome back for another episode of the Happy at Work podcast with Laura, Tessa, and Michael. Each week, we have thoughtful conversations with leaders, founders, and authors about happiness at work. Tune in each Thursday for a new conversation. Enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to the Happy at Work podcast, and I'm excited today to introduce you to Simon Cohen, the chairman of Henco in Monterey, and he is based in Mexico City. Welcome, Simon. Thank you very much, Michael. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's a super honor. Thank you. Simon, can you tell our studio audience just a little bit about your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Sure. I will make this long story short because it's a long story, but I was born in Mexico City. I was a very sick little kid with asthma, with all these problems. Like, you know, 48 years ago, there were no pills to cure asthma. You know, you had to run to the hospital. And one day this doctor tells my mom, you want this kid to be cured of asthma? And, you know, of course, my mom said, yes, you have to put him into swimming. So I started swimming when I was five years old, six years old. And um, I became good at it, even though I didn't like it, okay? But I was swimming every day of my life, and I became national champion, then Central American champion, then went to a Pan American championship, and I was super excited to go to the Olympics in Atlanta. You know, in the in the trials, I already made the, the, you know, the mark and the time that was requested for Mexicans to go. And I came up short uh, of the Olympics in 1996, so I failed. I was super frustrated back then. I thought that life was unfair. I miss my college days, you know, party, you know, going out, friends, you know, just to, to be super disciplined and go to my swimming uh, trainings. And uh, I was frustrated. And my dad, who was um, who owned a, a textile business, um, invited me to start an export, let's uh, say, project in the company. So I was frustrated with life. Everything was, you know, bad for me. I was miserable. And I decided to go and start this journey with him. And when I started doing some exports and some imports, I realized that the freight forwarding companies and the major shipping lines in the world were giving us a lousy service. So I said to myself, I have to do this. You know, I have to start a company that can give good service. It's not, sometimes it's not how good you treat you treat your customers but how polite you are when telling the truth, uh, you know, to make a difference, okay? So I started this business with a German company uh, back in 1998. We started um, a company in Monterrey, Mexico, which is a 5 million people city. It's not not that small. And um, by year 2000, we were the same size as they were. By year 2004, we were four times bigger. And in 2007, me and my family bought them out. So... Um, this is the company that I run. It's a global logistics company. Um, it is an incredible company. Uh, we do a lot of great things. We have fun and we are definitely a, a, a fun company to work for. So we like, you know, enjoying this high performance, happy people philosophy where high performance is a must, but also you can have fun at work. You can enjoy life. You need to have time to rest, to sleep, to meditate, to eat well, you know, uh, uh, to give charity and all this stuff that I will explain later on. 
That's so good. That's awesome. Well, tell us a bit about the book you wrote called Fulfilled and how that came about, how you ended up writing that. Sure, that it's very linked to Harvard, right? Um, uh, Professor Francesca Gino wrote a case study out of our company. And back in 2019, in October, my dad was diagnosed with brain cancer. So um, it was uh, hard times. But in January 2020, we were supposed to present the case in front of this big audience of business people from executive education uh, from YPO. So they invited me to present the case. And I took this decision to invite my father, my mother, and my two brothers. I always put my wife first. My wife is like my superhero, right? But right now, I decided to invite my, my parents and my brothers because we did this journey together. And it was like a homage to my dad. Um, we went to Francesca Gino's presentation and it was just incredible. And they gave us time at the end to give like a conference of, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes telling the, the goods and bads of this philosophy, so-called high performance, happy people. And, um, you know, my dad received a seven minute standing ovation that day at HBS. So for me, it was the best way to say goodbye to my father who only went to sixth grade in school. Okay. Primary school was, that was it. And my mom always also only to sixth grade. So when we finished this case, my dad was super tired and he came out of this, uh, you know, this room, this classroom, and he was sitting in the living room and he invited my mom to sit with him and then my two brothers. And then he called me and, um, that was the last time we hugged each other, the five of us. And um, I'm a little bit emotional because it was very hard. But that day, my dad told me, hey, Simon, I love the story and I love the case. And I love the way you speak in public. So why don't you write a book? And I said, this will be my present to you uh, for life. And it will be like a, let's say, gesture of gratitude to my dad for everything what he did for me. So Fulfilled came up. In three months, I wrote this book. I wrote it from my heart. I am not, as I tell my people here, I'm not Gabriel Garcia Marquez or Mario Vargas Llosas or John Grisham. I'm, I'm not this kind of people, right? I am just a businessman. And I wrote from the bottom of my heart. And the result is just an incredible work. And I just love it. I'm passionate about it. And, you know, here it is. It's fulfilled. It's right there. You can see it. It's it's a beautiful piece of art for me. It's like my little baby. Well, that is um, just an absolutely beautiful story, Simon. Um, and what an amazing moment, given the fact that your father, like you said, didn't uh, get past sixth grade, but then here he is at Harvard Business School um, and really just living this moment with his family. So really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I got the book last week, actually, Fulfilled. And uh, in your intro, you talk about your search for success, but instead you found happiness. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means? Sure. Um, I was obsessed with money, Tess. I was totally obsessed with becoming a billionaire. So uh, in my family, we had like an economical roller coaster. So I was born in Mexico City, as I said. And then we moved in 1980. I was five years old to Monterrey um, because my dad, you know, went bankrupt. And then he went to work with his brother in Monterrey. And uh, they did very well. I was, you know, I, I wouldn't say wealthy, but I was, I had a very nice time when I was a teenager. And then again, in 1994, the Mexican 
you know, crisis, the tequila effect, if you can recall, the peso devaluated from three pesos per dollar to 10 pesos per dollar overnight. Interest rates were 140%, and it was impossible to pay the debt. So that's why I started exporting the goods, because I needed to receive US dollars to be able to pay the debt. So um, I was totally obsessed with making money to save a lot in order not to happen, this thing not to happen to me, right? So I was totally, you know, working hard when I started this this, this company, shifts of 18 or 20 hours every day. I remember waking up every night at two in the morning because my company works in ocean freight. And basically it was from China to Mexico. It was like the core of the, of the company. So I woke up every night at two in the morning reply my emails until 4, 4.30, went back to bed at, let's say, 4.35, went to the office at 7, come back to uh, come back home at 11 p.m. And that was daily for nine years. One day I was traveling in China and um, I couldn't sleep because I was operating my company. When you're an entrepreneur, you do everything for the company. There's, you, you don't want to delegate. You do everything yourself. You try you know, to be the Superman, Batman, and Spider-Man together in a blender. You think that you are omnipotent, right? That you can do everything and that everybody else is stupid. That's a big mistake. And um, I was trying to do everything myself and I got totally stressed out. And I couldn't sleep for a week. And on Friday night, we had uh, this incredible dinner at this amazing place in, in, in Kowloon in Hong Kong with these people that came from Tokyo to have dinner with us. It was very important people from a shipping line. And um, I had uh, I was feeling sick and I had this boom in my chest. And uh, the first advice was strong, but the second one, you know, took me off the chair and, you know, I fainted. Next thing I know, I was in an ambulance going uh, to the hospital in Hong Kong without understanding a word you know, all the doctors were telling me telling me that I had a heart attack, which, you know, it was not, fortunately. And I was diagnosed with Wolf-Parkinson-White disease, which is a rare disease that I had in my heart since I was born. But because I was a swimmer, it was hidden there. You know, we couldn't, you know, realize that there was something wrong. Um, then for a year, I was struggling with my health. Uh, they gave me antidepressive pill, anti-anxiety pills. Uh, sleeping pills. I was like a puppet. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't do anything. It was like I was miserable. And I decided to stop taking those medicines. And we rented a beautiful place in the Caribbean. I took my wife and my three daughters. They were two, four and six years old. And we went out um, for two weeks. By the fifth or sixth day, um, the power went out on the of the entire island. And my girls were scared. So I took them to the beach. We set uh, these beautiful towels in the, in the sand. I had my three daughters on my belly, my wife on my back. And we were looking at the sky, trying to find Mickey Mouse face or the little mermaid face in the stars. And I started crying. And that was my aha moment. I was a billionaire without noticing it. Because the things in life that, you know, have real value are not waiting, not weighted in dollars and cents, are weighted in love, care, friendships, family. And I decided to change. 
So I started talking with my wife, what our new life will look like. And we decided to be like the happiest persons in the world. So we decided to spread that feeling. So I came back to my office and I made like a town hall with all my staff. And I said, guys, you will now meet the new Simon. Starting us of today, I want to have the happiest company in the world. And I want to be the happiest person. And in order to be that or to become this person that I'm dreaming in, I need to be surrounded by people that have similar interests. So if you don't want to be high performance and happy, you better go to my you know, competitors to work. Okay. So we started with this philosophy called high performance, happy people. And I will take a couple of minutes to explain what that means. It's a philosophy based in four pillars. The first one is wellness. The second one is mindfulness. Third one is happiness. Fourth one is high performance. Wellness, sleep well, eat well, exercise. We teach our people how to sleep. We have a mandatory sleeping seminar for every single person in my company. We have a nutriologist. We have doctors. We teach them how to have a healthy and good life. Second, it will be uh, a mindfulness. We really want our people to be connected. We teach them how to do yoga, how to meditate. We give them the tools to be connected with whatever they think. If they're religious, you know, any religion, we're super inclusive like anyone, but just to be connected, to have your brain at peace. The third one would be happiness. And happiness is to help people that needs the most. It's, it's, it's okay to have fun at the office. It's okay to laugh and to smile every day. It's very important to be grateful. So all this together brings you happiness, right? And the fourth one is um, high performance. And high performance is that when you, when you are in balance with the free, first three pillars, when you go to work, you will be like an Olympic athlete and you will not fail like I did. And so it's, uh, that's the philosophy. So, um, that, that's that's like the search of success and founding happiness, right? I was trying to be a billionaire and I was a billionaire since the day I was born um, in, in, the, in the context of love and family and friends. That's a great answer. By the way, you're really good at making all three of us cry. So <laughs> you're good on that one. Uh, my, my next question is... Um, you know, in the United States and developed countries and lots of other countries, success is measured in money. And I want to ask you, how do you see happiness intersecting with success? Yeah, first of all, I disagree with that statement. Success is not measured in money. Success is a feeling. Success is something that uh, when you look yourself at the mirror, you feel at peace. And that's success. And it's different to be happy than to be fulfilled. And I will explain this. To be happy, it's bi-dimensional. I can be happy for being in this you know, podcast with you, but I can be miserable at work, which is not the case for sure, but I can be. I can be happy at home and be miserable with my friends. I can be happy with my friends and be miserable with my parents. Being happy is bi-dimensional. Being fulfilled is multidimensional. So being fulfilled is when you look yourself at the mirror and you're at peace 
When you look at your spouse, you're at peace. When you look at your uh, work, you're at peace. When you look at your friends, you're at peace. When you look at your parents, you're at peace. And you go 360, and then you come back to the mirror. You look at yourself again, and you're at peace. That's, for me, being fulfilled. So success, it's a feeling of fulfillment that we should all have, but it's not always the case. There's another part of your book. Um, there's a line you say about do what is difficult with your life and your do what is difficult in your life will be easy. Do what is easy in your life will be difficult. Tell us more about that. Elaborate on that. So in the context of the book, when you're a teenager and you are, you know, fighting between staying at bed or going to school or going to the gym or studying a little bit more or learning something new. And you decide to take the easy path, which is just staying at bed or in bed, um, your life will be difficult for sure. And I have seen this throughout my entire life because people that choose to go the hard way, eventually they're the most successful and the ones that they can control their own agenda. And controlling your time and your effort and the ways you live your own life whatever that means for you, that's, you know, real happiness or real success, right? So I tell, I always say, I'm sorry, I always tell my daughters, you know, hey, just do a bigger effort every day in order to do things that are hard because you then extend your, your scope of, of life and then you can reach different levels. So it's super comfortable to stay at home when it's cold outside. If you want to get, you know, out of your comfort zone, you go out and just uh, take a, I don't know, 20 minute run or I don't know, a, a 45 minute walk or whatever that is. But if you exercise, you study, you learn, you make time for making good friends because friendships are very important, very, very important in life. Because if you surround yourself by five people that love art, you will be the sixth. If you surround yourself by five people that love sports, you'll be the sixth. If you surround yourself by five people that love, I don't know, uh, st studying, you will be the sixth. But if you surround yourself by five lazy people, you will be the sixth. And if you surround yourself by five drug addicts, you will be the sixth. So we need to understand that the people that we surround ourselves with, it's super important for success. And again, success is being at peace. It's not a, you know, a, you know, check or big bank account. So first of all, um, would love to, if you're ever in Boston, have dinner with my 19 year old and 16 year old boys, because I think I always say, I always used to say to them, don't, don't cut off your options by, by being lazy or by not trying hard, because you just create more options for your life when you actually apply yourself and put in effort. But you just said it so much more eloquently. So um, thank you very much. Um, I think every parent will will play this podcast for their kids, their teenage kids. But I also want to shift to what you talk about in chapter seven around people management. And you, and you, I think to quote you, you don't build a business, you build the people and then the people build your business. And I think for entrepreneurs, this is so important. I really having a, a background in entrepreneurship, I really resonate with what you were feeling in the beginning of your career around, oh, I can just do it all and not really delegating as much as you probably needed to. So how can you share with listeners the way they might want to think about how they manage people? 
Sure. Thank you, Tess. Um, for me, one very important be, uh, thing or fact that changed my my career was to surround myself with people that are better than me. When you get that sense of learning every day from your, let's say, your peers, then you can thrive, you know, the way you really want to. Um, we are different. We all have different skills. And what you're good at can be totally different than what I'm good at. And I think that those are like complementary teams. And when you surround yourself with this kind of people that they want to bring the best of themselves for the benefit of the team, then you can thrive. It's very different to be an entrepreneur than to be a businessman. And I'm going to make myself clear. That's like the hardest thing that I've ever done to delegate the things that I thought I was the best at in my own business. So when I delegated the things that I was doing to people that are that was not me, and I said, "Hey, listen, this is you know this is the treasury. Uh, you're going to be the CFO. Now you're going to be the sales rep or the sales director, or you're going to be the CEO." Which I did in 2016. You know, I delegated the chair of CEO uh, to an external person, not even my brothers who are also shareholders. Um, that's when the company grew. So we grew exponentially from being a mom and pop shop to being a real uh, uh, company when we delegated and we surrounded ourselves with people that are incredibly talented and, 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 and capable. Um, you have to teach people how to be good people, right? Sorry if my English is not perfect, but I really would like to translate what I have in mind what I want to you know, tell your audience, if you give this certain set of values to your staff at any level, you know, including being grateful, integrity, honesty, et cetera, et cetera, which are the values of a company, and then they can create the business. You just set the tone and they play the music. We need to be just organizing for them to play the music. You are not the center of the universe in a company. You are the founder. You got the idea. You took risks. Now it's time for the rest of the people to thrive. And it's not all about you. You have to be humble enough to step back. And that's very hard for entrepreneurs. Everybody wants to be at the spotlight. Everybody wants to be a rock star. And sometimes you have to step back and let them shine. And that's exactly what I believe. If you let them thrive, then the company will thrive and the most benefit person will be you and then their families. So that's more or less what I believe when, when you build people and then the people build businesses, that's the way it has to be, not the other way around. If I can ask a quick follow-up to that, because I mean, clearly you had this event in your life, a health, a health event that kind of shook you to your core. And then you took time with your, your daughters and your wife and um, was able to self-assess short of someone being, you know, having to go through that kind of dramatic health event. How, what kind of advice do you give to entrepreneurs who are trying to figure out what their purpose is or how to become self-actualized without maybe having a dramatic event. You know, what what exercises or what would you recommend they do beyond reading your book um, <laughs> to become, you know, you're so self-actualized, but it's hard for young people to really find that purpose, that passion to know thyself so that they can surround themselves with, you know, those complementary skill sets. So what would you recommend? 
Sure. It is intelligent, the one that learns from someone else's experience, right? And uh, you don't have to go through everything I went through in order to learn that life sometimes is tough. Sometimes life is unfair. You know, sometimes life is super difficult. And sometimes you just feel that life is not uh, uh, something good for you. But that's life. And we only have one life. And we have to live it at its best. And um, it's usually said that uh, we only live once. And that's not true. We only die once and we live every day. And I've learned that from Charlie Brown, literally. So we need to open our eyes and our hearts and our souls in order to become better human beings. The world has a big, big crisis of values right now. Everybody's looking for more money, for more power, instead of just going back to basics. And I believe that at one point of time, there will be a turning point when we will all go back to basic. I believe that the path to follow is to be passionate about what you do, to live with excitement, to be super positive, to have fun, because you cannot have a happy life if you're not happy at work, period. Simon, this is great. And as we finish out, I'm going to end with our last question. You've had a really interesting life. What's next for you? What's What do you want to do next? What's on the, what's on the plan? Uh, listen, Michael, I, I really would like to to affect positively a billion people. So I'm dreaming on this super big purpose of not only changing the life of my coworkers, my suppliers, my customers, even my competitors and their families, but also people from all over the world that they can just have a happier life. So I'm working on it. Um, I'm uh, working on a big project, you know, in order to reach millions instead of only hundreds or hundreds of thousands. We really want to go to millions. And then, you know, see if we can just uh, get this BHAG to reach a billion. So I really think that this world needs, needs a little bit more of a dose of happiness and stop taking, you know, so much pills, drugs, alcohol, mental health is a big issue. We just need to move from there uh, towards having a fulfilled life. And that's what I'm trying to build right now. That's where uh, what I'm dreaming of. And that's I would like. That's what I would like to share with your audience. And uh, I hope that they can help me to reach my goal. I love it. Simon, thank you so much for joining us today. We've really appreciated your words of wisdom and your book Fulfilled is amazing. So thank you so much for spending time with us today. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to hear future episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Happy at Work podcast and leave us a review with your thoughts. Are you interested in speaking on a future episode or want to collaborate with us? Let us know. You can send us an email at admin at happyatworkpodcast.com. And lastly, follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter for even more happiness. See you soon. Thank you.